We're going to be in Colossians chapter 3 this morning. If you have your Bibles, we'll be in Colossians 3. If you don't have a Bible, let me encourage you to grab the, the pew Bible there in front of you. We enjoy digging into God's Word together, and this morning we are beginning a new series over the next three weeks entitled Gratitude. And as we think about gratitude, of course, this will bring us to the uh, Thanksgiving season, and I know as we get folks together this time of year, there are three different types of people. There are some people who are already, you know, you're in the Thanksgiving mode, and maybe you wore your stretchy pants today just already ready for that meal. Uh, And then there are others of you who... Uh, are realizing, oh, it's almost Thanksgiving and you still feel like it should be summer and, you know, it's coming too quick. And then there are some of you who put up your Christmas tree this week who are ready to skip over it, all right? So I know we have different, uh, different folks from different angles, but over the next three weeks, we're going to be focusing on gratitude and why it's important in all of our lives. And we're going to try something a little bit different for this series. Haven't done this since I've been here, but I thought it would be cool to do for the next three weeks and that we're going to try to learn a few verses of the Bible together uh, in our time uh, each week. And we're going to look at this same group of verses every single week as we start off uh, the message time. Can we put that up there, uh, those verses this morning? It should be from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. You'll see it up here on the screen. Let me read it out loud to you, and then uh, we'll read it out loud together. And uh, these are three verses here, but very um, easy to remember verses, but very important verses as well. These verses say, Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I think this can help kind of set the tone a little bit for our Thanksgiving, right? If we can remember to do these three things... I mean, just in general, I think our lives would be in a lot better shape, wouldn't it? If I could remember to do these things on my best days, on my worst days, man, things would seem to be a lot better probably. So let's, uh, let's read these together out loud. And I know, you know, some of you may already have it memorized. And if you do and you want to show off, you can close your eyes while we read it out loud, okay? Uh, but let's read it out loud together. Here we go. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Let's do it one more time. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now let's read where it's found. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Now some of you, go ahead and jot down that uh, that, um, reference if you need to to look at this week, or go ahead and write down the whole verse if you want, but we're going to be looking at this every single week for the next three weeks, and uh, I'm going to try to have it in the bulletin next week, so that way if you just keep the bulletin, you'll have it. But I think, man, it would be awesome if we could all memorize this together as a church. Uh, As we were talking in our Sunday school group this morning, we were talking about how important it is to meditate on God's Word and to memorize it, those kind of things, and this would be a great way for us to try to do a little bit of that together this morning. Well, we're going to be in uh, Colossians chapter 3. We're going to begin in verse 12. I'm going to just dive into this passage. We're going to go through just a small section of Scripture together. You're going to see, obviously, it's going to be talking about being thankful, uh, having gratitude, those things, but we'll go back and dissect it in just a few moments. So we'll begin in verse 12 of Colossians 3, and we're going to go down through verse 17 this morning. Therefore, as God's chosen ones... Holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, 
kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do in word or or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray together as we dig into God's word. Father, we know that as we come to your word every single time, we know that we come having experienced a lot of different things in life. There may be some of us today who feel so grateful for all that's going on in our lives. There may be some of us today who don't feel grateful. Or maybe some of us today feel hurt or feel angry or uh, the opposite of some of these things that we just read that we're to be. Lord, as we look at your word today, may you use your spirit on our hearts to guide us into truth. And we know that your word is truth. And so, Lord, may we conform our lives to your word and not try to conform your word to our lives. May we leave knowing your truth and ready to live it out. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we look at this passage today, I've entitled the message, Living with Godly Gratitude. Living with Godly Gratitude. And as you hear that word gratitude, of course, the title of the series that we've used puts the emphasis on attitude. And we know that gratitude is in some ways an attitude, right? It's a decision that you're going to make to have a certain attitude in your life, you know, no matter what the day brings. But really, as you think about gratitude, it's really about much more than just an attitude. You know, as a child, you were probably taught thankfulness, and you were probably made to be thankful sometimes when you didn't want to be. For instance, uh, you know, when we teach children a lot of times, they receive something, you say, now make sure you say thank you, and then you, thank you, you know, like you say it, and you know, it's not because you didn't enjoy it, you just didn't really want to say it, right? Uh, Then we are taught to pray. And maybe your first prayer that you were taught went something like, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food. Now, stop there because time change, and I know you guys are hungry, right? So I'll stop there. I won't talk about food anymore. But we were taught to be thankful for our food. And maybe to this day, you still pray over your meals because you were taught to be thankful uh, for your meals and to thank God for those things. Now, as a kid, you know, we are taught to be thankful. We grow up, and it's one thing to be taught that way. But then you reach adulthood, and life hits. And man, there are days that we just feel grateful, right? And everything's going right. But then there are days like everything seems to be falling apart. And it wasn't like that as a kid. But now, the idea of being thankful all the time, like, that's a challenge. That's a struggle. And when you think about Thanksgiving, yeah, we can post on social media you know, we can come up with enough things, find enough things to post one thing every day up until Thanksgiving through November, right, of things we're thankful for. Some of you all may be doing that. And let me say, that's a great thing if you're doing that. Keep that up. But in the grand scheme of things, truly in our hearts, like, are we feeling gratitude? 
And so as you think about your own life this morning, as I said, maybe you're in that situation that you do feel grateful today, or maybe you're not. But wherever you are, I can tell you this, that there are moments in life that your gratitude, your thankfulness toward God will be tested. It will be tried by the situations in your life. And today, we're going to consider this question. What is godly gratitude and thankfulness? You know, are we talking about just a feeling or an attitude? But most importantly, how do we stay focused in times that we don't really feel that grateful? How do we find that gratitude to give toward God? We were talking about this in in the group this morning that I was in. Like, you know, there are times that life just gets difficult and we all look around and admire people like, wow, they just seem to see the positive in everything or they just seem to be thankful with everything. How do those Christians seem to do that? You know, where do you find that type of gratitude? And so we're gonna look here at this passage together and let me kind of set the scene before we dig into this. So if you know much about Colossians, uh, the letter in particular, you know that it was written to address heresy or false teaching that was going on in the church of that day. We don't know exactly what that false teaching was, but you can see from this letter that it caused people to be angry with one another. It caused people to say hurtful things about each other and toward each other, and really there wasn't a whole lot of unity in the church. Now on top of that, you know, they weren't really grateful for one another. But on top of that, you know, you add in persecutions and everything that was going on in the early church. You can see for these people, like, they probably thought, we don't have a lot to be thankful for. You know, things are not really going well in the church, and, and, you know, we're arguing with one another, and the world doesn't love us by any means. It's not very much to be thankful for. And in the middle of this passage, even with everything going on, as Paul writes, Look at what he says at the end of verse 15. And be what? Thankful. And be thankful. You know, making statements like that are easier said than done. You know, there are things in life that we sometimes say that we're like, okay, I'm going to do this, but then when it comes down to doing it, it's easier said than done. Like, for instance, if you've ever made the statement, I'm going to work out tomorrow. Like, tomorrow, that's the day that I start working out. You know, that's easier said than done, right? Or my diet is going to start after Thanksgiving. Like, leading up to Thanksgiving, you know, not so much. But after Thanksgiving, that, and let me tell you, if that's what you're telling you in your mind, just be ready. Christmas comes after that, right? Uh, so, you know, here's the deal. Like, we say things that are easier said than done, or, or when we, you know, when we go out, we'll say, well, I, I'm going to stop worrying today, or that thing that just has, keeps bothering me, I'm just going to get over it. Like, all of these things are easier said than done, and I think this one statement that we see here in verse 15 is one of those things, and be thankful. You know, if you have a rotten day, if somebody says, well, just be thankful, okay, about what? You know, it's easier said than done. You look at the Greek, that word thankful in Greek is actually uh, eucharisto. It's where uh, some have the term for eucharist today that they would call communion or the Lord's Supper. It's the idea of, of just gratitude, thankfulness. And so if you look at this, we know, again, it's easy to be thankful when things are going well, but it's so difficult when things seem like they're not going well. And for the, the Colossians here, things were not going well, but Paul says, be thankful, And probably some of them, when they read that, were like, 
why? Why should we be thankful? And maybe in the middle of your situation, if somebody walked up to you and said, hey, you should be thankful, that would be the first thing that you would think in your mind is, why? What do I have to be thankful for? Well, let's look at what he says in verse 16. Right after he says, and be thankful, he says, let the word of Christ dwell richly among you. Now, let's pause there and think about what he's saying. Let the word of Christ, some translations, your translation, if you have something different, may say something like this. Let the message about Christ. In other words, let the message Christ brought to us, let let his gospel, let what he was all about dwell richly among you. Like, let it encapsulate you, and, and as, not only you as an individual, but as a church, let that message, let what Jesus was all about be your main focus. And so what was Jesus all about? You know, think about it in your own life. Like, if somebody said, well, tell me a little bit about Jesus, and you had just, you know, two minutes to tell them about Jesus, what would be those big things that you would say? Well, you'd probably say, obviously, he died on the cross, he came back to life, we know those things, he was uh, a teacher, he taught some amazing things, he healed people, right, he did some uh, amazing miracles to verify uh, who he was and, and what he was saying was true and all of these things, and, and so we would be, you know, talking about this stuff, and as I look at Jesus' message, there's one thing, uh, one message in particular that stuck out to me. And that's in Luke 17. So just take a moment, keep your finger in Colossians, but turn to Luke 17 just for a moment. I want to look at one thing that Jesus did in particular that points to our situation that shows us some, you know, very similar um, characteristics here. What Jesus did for these men and what he did for us. When you think about what the message of Christ is and, and dwelling on that and, and that being part of your lives, look at what it says here, beginning in verse 11 of Luke 17. It says, While traveling to Jerusalem, he passed between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, ten men with leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, before we read what Jesus did, I want you to to know what's going on here. So the men with leprosy at that time, if you had leprosy, you were basically sent out from among everybody else. I mean, think about like COVID quarantine, all right? That's kind of what we can imagine today. You're sent out among everybody else, and if anybody started to come near you, you had to yell, unclean, unclean, so people would know not to come around you so they didn't catch this disease. And the only way you could be brought back into society was if the priest declared you to be clean of this disease. And so in other words, these men were outcasts. They were sent away from their families. They couldn't be in society. And these men had no hope. And so they thought, well, if we yell at Jesus and get his attention, maybe he can do something. And so they start yelling, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And in verse 14, it says, when he saw them... He told them, go and show yourselves to the priests. This would be a step of faith for them. In other words, they were going to be declared clean. And it says, and while they were going, they were cleansed. While they were going, they were cleansed. Now, I want you to think about your own life. And I was thinking about my life this week as I was preparing this message. Like, there are so many similarities between these men and us. 
As we think about our lives, yeah, we may not have leprosy, but in very similar uh, situations spiritually, we are outcasts because of our sin, and because of our sin, we too are unclean. There's nothing that we could do about our situation. All we could do is hope to get Jesus' attention somehow by saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. But you know what? If you call upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says that you can be cleansed of your sin, and you can have hope, and you can have a new life and be integrated to be part of the family of God again. You can be declared clean. And listen, if, if, if you're not... Um, if you're not in Christ this morning, Jesus wants to save you. That's the reason he came. Jesus died on the cross and came back to life to save you. But for all of us who are in Christ, all of us who know that salvation, as we look to this story, we can be reminded of what Jesus did. Now look at what happens here in verse 15. But one of them, seeing that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice gave glory to God. He fell face down at his feet, thanking him. And he was a Samaritan. And I've talked to you before, the Samaritan and the Jews, they didn't get along. But this man realized what Jesus had done for him, and he fell face down at Jesus' feet and began thanking him. And Jesus says, we're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he told him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has saved you. As we think about what Jesus did for us, the Bible says in Isaiah 53, 5, he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities, punishment for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. We've been healed of our sin disease because of what Jesus did for us. And how many times have we stopped to say thank you? How many times have we stopped to realize what Jesus did for us? Instead, we carry out on our busy weeks and days and days go by, maybe sometimes without even acknowledging the Lord. But we have so much to be thankful for if we know Jesus because he changed your life and what he did. And so even on our worst days, if we just stop and think about what Jesus did for us and the hope that he's brought into our lives, how can we not be thankful? And so this morning, as you're thinking about godly gratitude, I want you to write down, godly gratitude must be produced in the gospel. Godly gratitude must be produced in the gospel. Yeah, we can find things to be thankful for day in and day out, our family, uh, you know, our jobs or uh, our houses or whatever it is. We can find things to be thankful for, but true godly gratitude that extends far beyond what happens to us in this life has to be rooted in the gospel because that's the thing that never changes no matter what happens in this life. You will never be truly grateful and satisfied until you know Christ. But when you know Christ, look back at verse uh, 16 in Colossians 3. It says, let the word of Christ dwell richly among you. When you come to know Christ, you'll realize you are rich in Christ. You have so much because of Christ. As we think about the gospel, you know, in our lives, like, you know, we, we mentioned the word gratitude and how it's an attitude. But if you think about the gospel and, and experiencing uh, salvation in your life, where does it actually take hold? You know, is it like 
just a mental thing or, you know, is it a feeling? Where does the Bible talk about this taking hold? Well, all throughout the New Testament, we see that the gospel is actually, uh, an illustration is used for the gospel like a seed. And if any of you have ever planted a seed, especially a seed that you wanted to maybe start a particular plant, I'm not talking about like grass seed or anything like that, but if you ever like planted a seed to start the seed and it to grow into a full plant, you know that you planted it in the dirt and you gave it some water, gave it a little bit of sun, and long before that, that, long before that plant actually came up out of the ground, you knew something was going on under the surface. The roots were taking hold. And you see, as we look at the Bible, the Bible says the gospel is like a seed in our hearts. And long before we'll see anything come out on the surface, there's got to be some roots to take hold in our hearts. And as you think about the gospel in your life, godly gratitude must be rooted in your heart. Write that down this morning. Godly gratitude must be rooted in your heart. Look look back at verse 16. He says, let the word of Christ dwell richly among you, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your what? Hearts, right? Singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Now, when we think about songs, for many of us, songs are an emotional thing. Songs can stir emotion in us. I mean, uh, if you don't believe me, I mean, there are certain songs that you can probably turn on and, you know, everybody in the room will be crying like right away, right? And maybe some of you can think of some of those songs in your own mind. Like songs stir emotion. And so what he's saying here is we should feel, we should be emotional about the gospel, but ultimately from our hearts. I love how a commentator uh, I read this week made a comment about the gospel making a home in your heart. And it made me think, and it made me ask myself, you know, through the good days, through the bad days, does the gospel have a home in our hearts? What do I mean by that? Well, think about your own home, all right? You'll probably go home today, maybe take a little nap, all of those things that you like to do on Sunday afternoon. But when you go on vacation, you pick out a spot to go that's not your home typically. Some of you like to go to the mountains Some of you like to go to the beach. Some of you might like to go uh, to visit family who live uh, across the country somewhere. But you go somewhere that's not your home, and you stay there for a period of time. But at the end of your vacation time, what do you typically say? Well, it's time to go what? Home. And what do you mean by that? Time to go to the place that you stay. Now, of course, we love vacation. We take vacation. But home is where we stay. As you think about the gospel in your heart, is it more like, does it have a home in your heart? Or is the gospel more like spend vacation in your heart? You know, you do some things maybe here and there to acknowledge what Jesus did for you. Go to church every now and then, pray every now and then, maybe read your Bible every now and then. Or does the gospel truly have a home in your heart? Only you can answer that question. You know, we can do some things on Sunday mornings to make it look like we've got it all together here. But truly, we know when we leave this place if the gospel has a home in our hearts or not. 
You see, if we want to have godly gratitude, if we want to be thankful and, and see life as God wants us to see it, we've got to let the gospel take root into our hearts, and we'll never experience true gratitude or really true relationship with God like we should until the gospel takes home in your, in your heart and isn't a vacation spot. You know, I think about how the winds were blowing yesterday, blew a bunch of stuff in our yard, and uh, if you got out and raked your leaves yesterday morning, I feel sorry for you because you're going to have to do it again. Uh, I said that because I saw Ron raking his leaves yesterday morning, uh, and we had talked about that. But anyway, as you think about those winds yesterday, you probably had some trees in your yard swaying back and forth and just blowing every which way. But what was it that held the tree in the ground? The roots. As you think about the gospel setting up roots in your heart, having a home in your heart, the thing that's going to keep your gratitude, your thankfulness, and really your Christian life strong is when the gospel takes root in your heart and isn't just a passing thought for you. When was the last time you truly stopped and felt gratitude because of the gospel? Maybe today you need to just write down some stuff that God's done for you recently in this week or this past month that you haven't even given him thought about. And I guarantee you, if you stop and think about what Jesus did for you in Christ and what he does for you on a regular basis, you're going to find a place that you're going to be like, man, I've got some gratitude or I can have some gratitude. He's talking to this church here who's going through a lot of difficult things, and they're supposed to sing and do all this with gratitude in their hearts. Why? Because of the gospel. But know this, as something takes root, if its roots are taken care of and maintained and they're, they're good, what happens after a little while to that plant? When the, the roots start forming, what does that plant do? It starts to shoot up, doesn't it? And starts to produce fruit. You start to see signs of this root taking hold up out of the dirt, right? You, you start seeing that plant come up. Well, that is where gratitude comes in. Because we know that godly gratitude has to be produced in the gospel and take root in your heart. But godly gratitude must also be expressed in your actions. Now, some of us, I think, start backwards on this. We like to start with our actions and think, well, if I'm grateful, I, I need to do all these things, but we haven't addressed the real attitude, the real heart problem. We're just trying to address the outside things. But let me tell you, if you want the outside to look grateful, if you want to treat others with gratitude, if you want to have gratitude in difficult times, it's not just, well, be thankful. Because, again, that's easier said than done. It starts with the heart and then works its way out. But as it works its way out, let me make it clear that gratitude has to be much more than a feeling. You can't just say, I, I feel thankful. What are you doing to show you're thankful? And so Paul is writing here, and look at what he says in verse 17. Whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now let me remind you, this was a church who wasn't getting along, a church where people were far from thankful, and now he's saying, everything you do, do it in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to God. And so what does this look like in action? Well, I have to go back to what he said in the first part of this little 
section. Let's rewind to verse 12. He says, Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a grievance against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity, and let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. Now, as you read that, your thought is probably the same as mine. All of those things are easier said than done, right? I mean, all of those things are challenges for us sometimes because as we think about each of these things, they're the opposite of how we want to respond sometimes. However, let me tell you this. If we get the gospel to take hold in our hearts, what happens as that plant springs up and begins working its way out of our lives? It's more than a feeling. We begin to show that this has taken root in our hearts. You see, if we're really thankful for what Jesus did for us, as we look at these situations, we'll think about this. It says to put on compassion. Well, why shouldn't we be compassionate when we stop and think of how compassionate Jesus was for us? Like, as we think about that, we could go on and on. Put on kindness. Put on humility and gentleness and patience. Why shouldn't we be those things if we truly realize and are grateful for all the ways Jesus has done these things for us? Bearing with one another. You know, that's the idea of of long-suffering. You know, being able to to take a a strike on the cheek and turning the other cheek. That's That's that idea. And when you think about what Jesus did for us, why wouldn't we be able to do that for others if we're truly grateful for what Jesus did for us. Forgiving one another. Just as Jesus forgave us, this is why we have to be rooted in the gospel because when we're thankful for the gospel, we're going to show it in other areas of our lives. It's a trickle-down effect. So as you think about your heart today concerning gratitude, do you have gratitude today? Godly gratitude has to be produced in the gospel, has to be rooted in your heart, and has to be expressed in your actions. And I was thinking about this week, uh, all of these things, and you know, I really believe if the true roots of godly gratitude don't form in your heart from the gospel, then what happens is when we try to do these external actions and external things, they either won't happen, or if they do happen, it'll just be out of obligation. Because, oh, we think we have to do that, so, you know, we'll do it. But if we're truly thankful, these things will come naturally to us. And so as you look at your own heart today, have you experienced that forgiveness that comes with knowing Christ? If not, it's very difficult to be grateful. But I want to tell you today, you can experience that. The Bible says that Jesus died for you. He came back to life for you. And if you trust in him as the only way to heaven and make him the Lord of your life, you can be saved and you can walk in newness of life. And even on the worst days here, you can still be grateful and you can still have hope because of what he did for you. If that's you today, just offer a prayer up to the Lord and say, God, 
please forgive me. I believe Jesus died on the cross and came back to life, and I want to be saved. I want to follow him. And let me encourage you to come and talk to me after the service. If you pray those things, the Bible says, and you really mean it, you can be he- uh, headed for heaven, and you can uh, experience a relationship with God. For those of us in here who maybe made that decision years ago, how does your life look when it comes to gratitude? Do you treat others kindly? Are you showing gratitude uh, from the gospel in your own life Do you, and how you treat others even when they don't deserve to be treated that way? You see, this is what gratitude looks like. And again, it's so difficult. I understand it's easier said than done. But here's the reality. When you experience the love of Jesus, it should lead you to have tremendous gratitude in your heart for what he's done for you. And as a result, that gratitude will overflow with love for one another. So today, as I was thinking about this, what's a good call to action for us to remember like moving forward this week? What is, what is something that we can all kind of walk away from and say if we apply this to our lives This would have a positive effect as far as our our thankfulness and our gratitude for the Lord and for everything else. I'd like to put those verses back up on the screen that we started out with today from 1 Thessalonians 5. And I'd like for us to say all all these verses again together as a reminder of what we're called to do, that to have godly gratitude, we have to start with our hearts. Let's say this together. Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Let's pray together. Father, as we consider our own lives, we know that all of us in this place, we know that we all go through difficult things. We all go through heartaches disappointments, loss. We all, from time to time, don't feel grateful. We all find it difficult sometimes to see the good in situations, especially when we feel like someone don't, doesn't deserve it or we feel like that uh, maybe a situation should have played out differently. But Lord, as we think about what you've done for us, We realize that no matter what we go through, we can still be grateful and we can still be thankful. We know that even through our most difficult moments that you're still working in those situations to turn things and to work out things that even we can't understand or can't see sometimes. And so God, this morning I pray for maybe someone here today who doesn't know Jesus as their Savior. Today, I pray that they would leave today feeling grateful for knowing his salvation. For those of us who do know Jesus, Lord, may today begin a series of reminders for us of why we should be grateful and all of the wonderful things that you've done for us. And Lord, we, may we as a church, may we as individuals take what you've done for us and that you've placed in our hearts And begin doing that for other people as well because of our gratitude. Lord, move in our hearts today. I pray that you would lead us and guide us to the decisions that you want us to make. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.